right. Well, good morning, church. Welcome. We're so glad you guys are here today. If you're joining us online, welcome. Man, it's been a good day. You know, talk about making change. What about these that just went through the waters of baptism going public? Let's give it up for them one more time. That's awesome. It's awesome. Proud of you guys, man. That's a huge, huge decision. And to go public, man, that just establishes great accountability. So we're proud of them for making that decision. We're in a series called Making Change. What a great day for it. Man, it's a great opportunity for you to begin to maybe take a step in the right direction, really towards what God has for you. And uh, so we're, we started last week, we, we talked about a little bit less is more, but I want us to talk about four things that we're going to unpack, four things we will unpack over the next few weeks. And one we covered last week, the next one we're going to hit today, but less is more. We talked about that last week, that oftentimes less is more. You know, we, uh, we, we often buy into the mentality, hey, I need more of everything. I need, you know, this many pairs of shoes. I need this many clothes. I need this many things. And oftentimes that's a, that's a bad thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's better to have less and maybe have quality than to have just a ton of stuff. And then today we're going to unpack stress is bad. Stress can be a bad thing. Most of us would agree with that. Would y'all agree stress is bad? Yeah, stress is bad. We, we know that stress can, can wear you out in a lot of ways and we'll unpack that a little bit today. And then here's another one. Giving is good. Is giving good? Giving is good. That's right. It's giving, giving is something that changes you. When you give things, it changes you. God uses that to, to change your heart and maybe sometimes change your priorities. And then the last one, tomorrow matters. We know that tomorrow matters. People will spend an eternity, you know, in, in one place or another, heaven or hell, for an eternity. So we know that tomorrow matters and we know that we need to be on mission. You know, part of the reason this church was planted was to reach people who are far from God and to lead them to become faithful followers. So we know that tomorrow matters. We know that eternity matters. We believe that. And so... Let's kind of unpack today. We'll look at this one. Stress is bad. Now, stress is one of those things that can just wear you out. You know, I mean, it's, it is physically, it can take a toll on you. Emotionally, it can take a toll on you. Financially, it can take a toll on you. It's just one of those things that we have to be aware of. You know, in stress, there are some things about stress that are good. Would y'all agree? Uh, you might go, what are you talking about? What is, what is good about stress? Here's the thing is like, if you're driving down the road and you have to put on brakes real quick, you know, your body, it literally it's a stress deal, but it causes you to react a little quicker than you normally would. And so that stress can be a positive thing for a second. But if you're living your life stressed out all the time, like, hey, you just had to put on brakes. Man, whoa, I almost hit something. I mean, that is a bad way to live. That's anxious. That's anxious living, right? And so we don't want to live that way. We want to live with peace and quiet. We want to live with tranquility. You know, we want to know that, you know what, my life is not flipping out or freaking out all the time. And so stress is bad. Bad thing is we've been programmed to believe, you know, that, that more is better. We talked about that last week, that, hey, I need more stuff. Well, more stuff can oftentimes bring way more stress than we, we need in our lives. And so we've been programmed to believe that. That's kind of the American dream. It's pushed and promoted all hours of the night on TV, on the radio, everywhere. And now everybody's sitting on their phone, so they're watching it on whatever social media app you use. It's pushing and promoting stuff and more and more of it. And so we've been programmed to believe that. Last week we used this passage, and I love this passage, better one handful with tranquility. Just that word, tranquility, just, man, just gives the, it just kind of gives you the picture of peace. Then two hands, handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And so what we need to do is say, God, you know, I want to be, I want to have peace in my life. And hopefully there's some of you in the room or maybe some of you watching and you realize, you know what? I don't have peace. 
I wrestle with anxious thoughts. I, I, I have a tough time going to bed at night. I mean, when I lay down, I have to literally try to deprogram my mind to literally just slow down so I can go to sleep. And oftentimes you're sitting there looking at a clock and you're stressed out over things. And oftentimes it's stuff that you have control over that you could literally eliminate from being stressed in your life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In this series, we're talking about, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we get healthy in some areas? We have to make some changes. And so I, I just want to encourage you today, there's hope. If you're one of those who you live anxious and you're, you know, you've got anxious thoughts and, man, you're just living, man, in stressed out mentality, then there is hope. And, and we're going to give you some steps today to kind of help you with that. But I, last week, I thought this was cool. You know, we were talking about less is more. And as I was walking off the stage, uh, one of the ladies on our praise team shared with me what God spoke to her about in that service. And, and I said, that's awesome. So I want you to hear what Andrea had to say. I was in worship service and I overheard Pastor Mike speaking about how less is more. Less is more is, you know, having less of something can be a good thing. But that's not the American dream, it doesn't sound like. When I was growing up, my parents didn't have a lot of money. And so we had to do without a lot of things. One of those was toys. We didn't have a lot of toys to play with. So fast forward years later, I'm married and have children of my own. So my thought process became, I wanted my kids to have more. I wanted them to have more stuff, more toys, more things. And what I began to witness was a toy room that became swollen and full of toys. My children became overwhelmed. They had so many choices that they didn't know what to play with. Sometimes they would pick a toy, play with it for a few minutes, and then sit it down. I became extremely stressed out and frustrated because those toys would like to migrate into other rooms. It was hard to keep them picked up, cleaned up, and put away. Then the Lord began to work on my heart and change the way that I was thinking. And, and oftentimes, you know, we would agree with that. It sounds good. Hey, Mike, I agree. Amen. We'll throw something in there like that. But we'd have a tough time changing, you know, our mentality on that. And as a family, we began to just peel back all these layers of things and stuff that we had accumulated. We began to donate toys and give toys away. We also stopped purchasing so many toys. And as a result of that, I saw that my children were no longer overwhelmed. It was easy to pick a toy and play with it for hours. I was no longer stressed out or overwhelmed because it was manageable. I could keep them picked up, put up, cleaned up. But the thing that brought me the most joy is I began to see them go outside more and spend time with each other more and invest more time with the kids in our neighborhood. You see, God had to work on my heart and change my thought process that more doesn't always equal better. And he had to get rid of all the stuff and the junk that was in our lives so that we could understand that less is more. Mm. I agree with that. Amen. Isn't that good? And, and, and what I love is what Andrea said. She goes, I had to, had to work on my heart. You know, God had to work on my heart. And, and I would just say this to the moms and dads in the room. Maybe you grew up kind of like I did and Andrew did. We didn't grow up with a whole lot. And so we have this tendency, hey, well, I want my kids to have it better than I had it. And uh, I don't want them to ever have to struggle. I don't have, but here's the thing. Sometimes it's a good thing to struggle, right? It's a good thing for them to maybe have less and maybe have quality you know, opportunities or quality experiences rather than 
just stuff and junk and all this stuff. And to talk about, hey, my kids were overwhelmed and I was overwhelmed. She's being honest and transparent about a, a place where she was in life. But you know what? A lot of people would say, hey, she's got it all. And she had stuff she didn't want. She didn't want stress in her life like that. And, and so I would just say to you guys, you know, we've got to get our mind around the fact that, you know, stress is bad. And we need to do everything we can to eliminate as much stress as possible. You know, the thing that I love is, you know, that Jesus came to set us free from 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 the bondage of sin and part of that bondage of stress man that's it's just sin it becomes greed it becomes stuff you know and all about things and and jesus made it clear it was about it was not about this world we, we covered that last week it's not in the abundance of things it's about the kingdom of god it's about loving god and loving people and, and so stress is bad here I, i've got a couple things here stress can affect all aspects of your life this is out of a medical journal all, all areas of your life, including your emotions, your behaviors, thinking ability, and your physical health. The number one thing that it doesn't mention is what? Your spiritual health. Your spiritual health. If you don't get your heart right with God when it comes to stuff and things, man, it will affect every other area of your life. And if we're living in debt and we've got this, this huge amount of debt in our life and, and we're, we don't know how to get any rest, we don't have any peace, we're constantly trying to do something to make more so we can spend more or maybe we're just trying to pay the bills and maybe we just need to kind of maybe lower our standard of living to where we're living within our means which i know is unheard of in this day and time but maybe if we were to do those things we'd have more peace in our life but look at it again it can affect all aspects of your life including your emotions how you feel your emotions you know how you see yourself you know behaviors you know i mean in other words just how how you do life i mean your behaviors can get all jacked up your thinking ability you can't think you know positive you can't think about anything good you can't even think you know and be focused because you're so scattered because you've got so many things going on and then physical health it affects us physically it literally will take you out stress is one of the worst things for us physically the pressure to have more or maintain more can lead to unwanted stress and so we we learned that last week you know less is more sometimes we want to have all of this but, you know, the, the pressure to get there, you know, is, is stressful. You know, we feel like, hey, well, I don't have what they have or my kids don't have what their kids have. You know, and they went out and bought this new thing. And don't we need to do that because that's what everybody's doing. And, you know, we go out and we buy cars, we buy houses, we buy stuff. Sometimes to impress people and sometimes to, you know, to try to keep up with people rather than to honor God or to use it for his purposes and for his kingdom. And we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to... Quit following the pattern of this world. Quit following everybody else and what they're doing and do what, what you want me to do. God, I, I want to hear from you. And so the pressure to have more or maintain more can lead to unwanted stress. You may say, well, I want to have all this land. And then you realize, you know, hey, that, that big fence out front, I've got to weed eat that big fence every week, you know, or every month or whatever. I've got to cut all this grass, you know, and then, you know, you got to spend money. Oftentimes to go buy something that you have to finance so that you can cut all that property and you get to stress yourself out more. And so we got to go, you know, God, help me to be more focused on what matters most and not just trying to keep up with everybody, not just trying to have the American dream. God, I want I want the biblical dream. I want peace that passes understanding. I want to know that I'm in right standing with you and the guy that you're using me to make a difference in the lives of people. Living paycheck to paycheck is stressful. 78% of American workers live paycheck to paycheck. You know, and that sounds hard to believe, but in other words, they, if they don't get paid this week or next week or whenever their paycheck is due, they could be having to let bills go or they get stressed out because they can't pay everything. And if they miss one paycheck, 
they're in trouble. Uh, one, one statistic even said that most people can't afford a $400 unexpected expense. In other words, you know, they, something happens, the washing machine tears up or the transmission goes out. Let me just say this, the transmission is way more than $400, right? Or the motor in your car goes out and you're thinking, you know, how am I going to get that fixed? And so you, that $400, you can't do that. Well, you know you can't do the other. But if you have some margin in your life and you have some savings and you have some things and you're not living paycheck to paycheck, then you've got a little room to breathe. And, you know, and here's the thing, there's a little bit of peace in there. Hey, if something happens, we can afford that because we have planned well and we've worked well and we've kind of lined up with God's Word uh, on how to manage the resources. Having more month, more month than money is stressful. I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, what the heck does that mean? You know, and then, of course, you know, it kind of sunk in. I was like, oh, I ain't got enough money. That's what that means. You know, you know to, to pay the bills, to live, and to have peace. You get to the end of the month and you're stressing out. You know, I, I, I can remember being in college, you know, and I, I don't know if you guys ever went through tough times in college, but I wasn't on a scholarship. I had a couple of scholarships, but most of those I had, I had found after I got to college. But I was trying to work my way through college. I was working three jobs, you know, going to school full time. And, uh, man, I was doing everything I could. And I remember one month I couldn't pay the rent, and I was stressed out over it. And so I go and I, the only time I've ever pawned anything in my life, I pawned a rifle of mine and a guitar so I could pay the rent. I was stressed out as a college student. And I, the good thing is I thought, hey, well, you know, I'll just go back and get it back. Well, I didn't know you had to pay all this interest to get it back. And, man, I like to never got it back. But I was like, you know what, I'll never do that again. I haven't. And uh, thank God. But the thing is, is there are times that we, we get stressed out. We have more month than we have money, if you will. And that's stressful. It's a tough way to live. Having debt, bills due, and no way to pay it is stressful. When you know you owe on something and you see that, you know, that due date keeps getting closer and closer and you're going, I don't have enough in the account. Man, it begins to build anxiety. And then you're thinking, you know, well, we just won't pay it this month. There's a grace period, isn't there? Isn't there a grace period? You know, God shows grace. Maybe they'll show a little grace. It doesn't always work that way, and sometimes it costs you more when you put that off. And then you get so far behind, you're like, I'll never be able to get caught up. I'll never get caught up, you know, and then you lose hope. That's not how God wants you to live. I can just tell you that. That's not how God wants you to live. And so almost three out of four Americans, 72% say they are burdened by debt, including mortgages. And so debt can be a burden. It's kind of like, and if you wonder what a burden is, it's kind of like if I were to say, hey, listen, come here, I want you to hold this 25-pound rock, and I just want you to hold it for a few minutes. And some of you might be able to hold it for a little while, and some of you big, strong guys might be able to be like, yeah, I'll get it right there, you know, hold it. And, you, and after a while, it doesn't take long, all of a sudden, you're like, man, I can't keep toting this around. And that's what our body is saying, hey, listen, you can't carry this burden around of debt hanging over you. You can't do that. You've got to be willing to get some freedom. You've got to get some peace in your life. You know, and so look at that. Almost three out of four Americans say that are, they are burdened by debt. That could be a mortgage. You say, well, Mike, you know, only thing I have is my house. But my house note is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that can stress you out. We say, hey, I don't own anything but my house, but your house note is crazy. You know, and, and let me just tell you, one of the things we struggle with so, t- so often is we'll have young families that want to get married. And they want to live in the same standard and everything that their parents have that they've worked for 40 years to get there. And you're going like, hey, you don't need to do that to your marriage. You don't need to stress your new marriage out that way. So live within your means. Look at this next part here. It says in two-thirds of Americans, 66% reported consumer debt with an average of $34,055 debt load per person. That's from Dave Ramsey's report. And, uh, and, and so here's the thing is, when you look at those numbers, you go, man, that's ridiculous. 
But that's what we do. We, we put ourselves in debt. You know, we, we do that. Now, look at this next one. Now, some of you guys probably have credit cards. And a credit card can be a good tool if it's used the right way. And so look at this. The average credit card interest rate in 2021 is 18.24%. All right, so how many of you guys, whenever you're back in college years ago, and it's out of, I'm probably done now, but Sears. Anybody ever had a Sears card? Raise your hand if you got a Sears card. I did. I was so excited, man. I got me a Sears card, and I was like, dude, I'll just be able to buy clothes or whatever. I'll be able to put on a Sears card because they had everything. And I thought Sears was a cool thing. You know how much that was? That was 21% on that, on that Sears card. 21% interest rate. And so a lot of times we think, we, you know, some of you guys are looking up here and you're going, hey, that's not too bad, 18.24. And then some of you are looking at this and you're going, hey, 14.75 on existing accounts. That's not bad. Four, that's 15% going to somebody else that could be working for you. Let me just say, that's not good news. Some of y'all are getting excited about it. That's not good news. You know, so that is uh, Wallet Hub's credit card landscape report just came out. So we got to understand Interest for, you know, for me paying interest is not a good thing. I am building someone else's wealth where if I'm using my money wisely, I can do it in such a way that it builds wealth for me and my family so that I don't have to live stressed out. And if I learn to live within my means and not always trying to finance things, then that's a good place to live. Look at this. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the leader, uh, the lender. Many of you guys have read that before, you know, and, and we do. We live in, in bondage to, 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 to just debt. You know, and, and what's funny about it is, you know, most of us say, well, hey, you know, ain't nobody going to lock me up. Ain't nobody going to do whatever. What we do is we walk up there and we just say, hey, listen, I want to sign for that nice car out there. Go ahead and put strap them on, buddy. Go ahead. I'm driving that baby home out there. And so we walk up and we tell them, hey, how much, you know, is it going to be a month and how much down? It's kind of the wrong question. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we literally walk up and say, hey, put the handcuffs on me. Put me in bondage. We go and look at a house and, and we talk about what our budget might be. And we're like, well, that's pretty close to our budget. It's just a little bit over our budget. You know, and so we go in there and we say, hey, listen, strap them on, man. I'm going to, we're going to move into that house. We're going to have a new house. And so what happens is we put ourselves in bondage, right? We put ourselves in bondage. So we live as a slave, if you will, to, to the, to the, to the lender. Jesus came to set us free from bondage. That's what he came here to set us free from. And we put ourselves in there. We literally choose to live in bondage to stuff because we go, I want to fit in with this world. I want what everybody else has. And our wants outweigh what the real need is in our lives. And we have to be careful because we end up becoming captives. Let me read something to you here. This is out of Luke chapter 4. And Jesus has just come out of, if you will, the, uh, the temptations. He's been in the wilderness. He's being tempted by Satan. And Satan is hitting the, him with this stuff. And, and listen to what Satan hit him with. He said, number one, he said, if you'll turn these, these stones into bread, you know, then I'll, I'll do this. And then he said, hey, listen, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you the whole world. He said, hey, I'll give you everything. And Jesus makes it clear that it's not about stuff. It's about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus has just rebuked Satan with the scripture, which Jesus was scripture walking around. He was the word became flesh. And so I think it's important for us to know Scripture, and at times, just like we started out this, this message series, to know some steps that we need to take, and then to take them consistently. But Satan's going to hit us up, and he's going to try to tempt us. And so Jesus has just come out of that. And so look at what it says. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, so he's kind of come back home. He's been out. He's come back home. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. 
The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where, where there, this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. As I was reading that this week, I was thinking, how fitting is that passage? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, here's the thing. I believe Jesus was talking about the poor in spirit. And I believe he was talking about those who, who didn't have hope. But for us to be teaching about financial change in our life and to have some, maybe some margin, I thought it was just, you know, that, that for us in our culture, poor kind of resonates there. And so Jesus come to share good news on how to be, live, how to live, you know, within margin, how to live within your means, how to live, you know, with maybe just a little bit of peace in your life instead of the anxiety and the fret and the stress of trying to figure out, hey, how do I pay these bills? And so I think that passage is pretty cool in how it applies to that. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I love that passage. Don't you? I do. I love the fact that he has come to set me free from addictions. He's come to set me free from my wants. He's come to set me free from greed. He's come to set me free from financial debt. Jesus can set us free from everything, anything. And too often, we're not, we just, we want it. Jesus doesn't want us to be in bondage to anything. Sometimes, you know, we think, well, Jesus set it free from maybe a pornography addiction or maybe a drug addiction or alcohol addiction or whatever. But what about a want addiction? What about a stuff addiction? What about a materialistic addiction? You know, that, that starts getting close to home, doesn't it? But here's the thing. Jesus does not want you living in bondage to anything. Trying to keep up with everybody around you rather than being focused on the kingdom of God. God wants you to be set free from that. And, and, and we know stress is bad, right? Stress is bad. Uh, let me tell you, you know, Lori and I, I told you guys last week, you know, we sold our house and we have been moving. So we moved this weekend into an apartment. We have not lived in an apartment since 1995. That was a little bit stressful. You know, Laurie and I have been looking at each other like, what are you looking at? You know, I mean, it's kind of that stuff, you know, where we're getting on each other's nerves. I mean, we're stressed out a little bit, you know, and you're trying to get all this stuff that was in this house into this little bit of apartment, it seems like. And you're like, man, you know, and it's a big apartment, but it's like, man, we got too much junk. And so we've been giving away stuff and selling stuff and throwing stuff away. And you're like, this is ridiculous that we have this much stuff. And so we understand stress. But here's the thing I would say, you know, we're moving. We moved into the apartment. We slept in there last night. Now, we, now, like this morning, we got up, we, you know, Lori's like, hey, will you take those boxes? We do this. My truck out there now, I've got boxes all up in the back of it. And so we're still in that process. But here's the thing. There'll be a, a moment whenever that's over. And I no longer have to worry about the move because we'll be there. But for some of you, you'll have a tough time laying down in your bed tonight because you're stressed out over your debt. And then you'll get up tomorrow and it'll be the same way. And the next day it'll be the same way. And the next day it'll be the same way. And you'll live your life stressed out over financial debt whenever there could be a change but you've got to take a step so like i said that move has been stressful we've been getting on each other's nerves i mean just being straight up you know we're gonna need a little time apart but it's one of those things where it will be over but debt can just hang hang over your head and it becomes that burden that you're trying to hold out there and it's just it becomes too heavy jesus doesn't want you living in bondage to anything so i want to give you three prayers to pray uh, when getting out of debt, three prayers. And so you guys can write these down. They're real easy. And uh, so I want you to, I want you to understand these are, these are easy and th- this is something that we can pray. So God, give me self-control. That's what we lack is like, we lack self-control. You know, we have this flesh hanging on us. We want stuff, right? Uh, let me just tell you this past week, 
it was kind of sad. I was, I was driving down the road. We've been, like I said, moving Friday and Saturday. And I'm driving down the road, and close to where I, I live, there was an estate sale. And I thought about, you know, all that stuff that they had accumulated. I was watching it go out on trailer after trailer and truck and people strapping it down and people about running me off the road trying to get in there because they were afraid somebody was going to beat them to a good deal. You know, and so all that stuff that somebody had worked so hard to accumulate is being sold off. Now, it's the kids or the grandkids or whatever, you know, or maybe they just say, hey, you know what? We're tired of stuff. We're selling everything. But I was watching it all just literally happen because we're passing by there and there was always cars there. And, and uh, the bad thing about it is, is I'm driving down the road and we're trying to get rid of our stuff. And I was like, I wonder if there's a good deal there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was like, I wonder if I ought to pull in there and just see what they got. And I'm thinking, man, what am I thinking? We don't need anything. We're trying to get rid of stuff. But there's that flesh side of me that wanted to go, hey, I wonder if there's a good deal. Then we go, go down the road and there's a yard sale sign. I was like, I wonder what they got. You know, I mean, that's just what, that's what we do, right? Just keeping it real, we battle that flesh. So I had to have self-control. I didn't turn into the estate sale. No one, Larry would have cut my throat. But anyway, I kept going. And, I, you know, I was like, you know what? I don't need that stuff. I'm trying to get rid of stuff. But what happens too often is we, we don't have self-control. And we let our wants take over. And all of a sudden, we are spending money we don't have. We're putting strain on our marriage. We're stressing out, you know, our, our finances, and we, we're not doing what we ought to be doing. And, and so we've got to be willing to say, you know, God, give me self-control. Help me to say no to things. It's okay to say no to some things. And, hey, maybe I don't need another pair of shoes, or maybe I don't need an, uh, any more clothes, or maybe I don't need, you know, this anymore. I can just say, God, I don't need it. God, I really want, I, what I need is you. I need you to change my heart. And, God, give me self-control to whenever I want stuff, I don't let it take over but I pray about it, and, and God, if, if you give me the okay, then I move forward. But if not, then I'm, I'm good with walking past it. And I'm telling you, there's some of you that you need self-control in that area. But God says if we ask for it, he'll give it, right? If we ask him for things, we ask it with the right heart, and we really want to change, he'll give you self-control. Look at this passage here in Proverbs. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. What that means is when we don't have self-control, it's like we don't have any defenses, and we're vulnerable. And so if you don't have self-control, then you need somebody to be accountability in your life. Maybe you need some accountability. Maybe you need to, you know, to, to have a certain amount of money that you take with you when you go somewhere. Like I can remember, you know, my, our parents would, hey, here's some money. And whenever it's gone, that's it. Don't come back asking for any more. You know, nowadays we just say, our kids keep coming back. Hey, can I borrow your card? You know, I want to go uh, do whatever. And so you set some limits on things. But whenever we have... No self-control, we're vulnerable, and we have to be careful that we don't put ourselves in a situation where we're going to give in to the flesh. The flesh is strong, I'm telling you. And the flesh is always wanting you to do what you want to do. It's about you, right? That's what this culture says. How you do what you want to do, you be you. And you do whatever makes you feel good. Don't worry about what Scripture says. Don't worry about what anybody else says. You do whatever you want to do. That is a self-centered mentality, but that's what this world preaches right now. And Jesus said, hey, listen, die to you. Die to self. So a person without self-control is like a city with a broken down walls. Number two, God, give me understanding. The Bible tells us that if we will ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. He'll give us wisdom. And, and so we've got to be willing to ask God, God, give me wisdom. God, give me understanding. Help me to understand how to get out of this situation that I'm in. And I'll just tell you this. We're covering it in Scripture right now. If you will always pray, God, give me ears to hear and eyes to see what you want me to do. And so what we've got to be able to do is say, God, give me understanding. Help me to understand the situation that I'm in. And number two, the steps I need to take. 
See, what I love, these that went through the waters of baptism, they realized, they asked God, God, show me the condition of my heart. They realized, hey, I need a Savior. I need Jesus. So they asked for understanding. They understood the condition of their heart. They understood they needed a Savior. They needed to be born again. They needed to be changed and transformed by the power of God at work in them. And therefore, they understood their need. They took a step towards Jesus. He embraced them. He said, hey, listen, come on in. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the, to the house of God. Welcome to my family. And then they go public with that and let everybody know, hey, listen, man, God gave me understanding. I took a step. I am part of the family of God. So I'm just telling you, that's spiritually, but I'm telling you this too, God does that financially as well. And there's some of you in this room that God has said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm giving you understanding. You see the condition of your heart. You see the condition of your life. You see the stress that you live in, and it's time for change. And he says the same thing, I can save you. I'll provide a way. I'll give you understanding. So here's the thing, what we do is when we want something, we ask the wrong question. The wrong question is how much down and how much a month? Isn't that what we usually ask? And if you keep the finances in your house, that's probably what you're thinking about. Hey, listen, how much is it going to be a month? Do we have any margin in our budget? What we do is we usually get right up to the edge of the margin. We get as close as we can get. And so Laurie and I used to, when we would go into buy something, I'd say, hey, listen, Laurie, don't say anything. I'm going to negotiate. I don't know if you all have to do this with your spouse. If you're the lady, maybe you tell your husband, hey, listen, be quiet. Don't say anything. So we go in. And I said, Laurie, just don't say anything. We go in. And that car that I told you we bought last week that we hated. So we're sitting down. And Laurie has already said, hey, listen, I think we can afford this amount of money because she's the one that kind of kept the finances. And she said, hey, I think we can afford this. And I'm like, all right. So we go back in there and I sit down and the guy goes, hey, Mr. Mazingo, this is what we can do. And Laurie goes, that sounds pretty good. And I'm like, no, don't say anything. You know what I mean? Just ruined it. You know, I'm like, no, nah, that's too much. You know, and then it looks like we're not on the same page. And Laurie's like, oh, and Laurie's like, ah, I know you said not say anything. So we had to kind of work through that. But I'm just saying that what we had to we, we had was the wrong questions. We were asking, hey, how much down, how much a month? That's what most of you guys ask because you go, hey, we can probably swing that. Now, it may stress everybody out, and it may, I may have to work a second job, but I could probably make that happen. And what we really need to be asking, this is the right question, how much is the real cost? It's kind of like your house. You buy a house, and you say, hey, well, listen, if I can afford this monthly note, but whenever you figure out what you pay for that house over the however long you finance it, it will blow your mind what you pay for your house. You do the same thing with your car. You take this car and you say, hey, this is, this is how much the car costs. And they're crazy high right now. And you figure out how much you pay for that car whenever you do all those payments together. And you realize, good gracious, man, we paid way more for that car than we thought we paid. And then I would say, that's just one part of the cost. And then you have to ask, how much stress did I put on my marriage? How much stress did I put on me? Because, see, that's the real cost. A lot of times it's not the money. It's the stress and the strain. It's the, it's the trust that we rob the, the, the marriage of. You know, you go out and you buy something and you push for it, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what, hey, we just stressed our marriage out, and I'm not sure our marriage is going to make it. So we have to ask, this, this is the right question, how much is the real cost? Before you go out and try to finance something, before you buy something, hey, can our marriage handle this? Now, jokingly, I, I said, you know, building a house, everybody always says, hey, you need to be, have a solid marriage and be strong in your marriage before you ever try to build a house. Let me tell you, moving can do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be willing to say, God, help me to make sure that our marriage can handle this next purchase or this next move. And so we have to make sure we, have, we ask the right question. Dave Ramsey says this, when you and your spouse agree on spending, that's huge, you've agreed on dreams, fears, goals, and priorities. If you've got two different mentalities, 
And a lot of times you have a spender and a saver. There's a lot of times there's tension there. But if you got two spenders, you got a real problem. You know what I'm saying? So there has to be an agreement. So look, it says, it says, when you and your spouse agree on spending, that means you have talked about it. You have communicated. The top three things that end up leading to divorce or that contribute to that, that most marriages struggle with, number one would be communication. It's a breakdown of communication. So we just don't talk anymore or whatever. And then the other one will be intimacy, sex, in marriage. You know, and they'll say, well, you know, we're just not intimate anymore. And it's usually because the communication is broke down. And then finances. Those are the top three nearly every time when it comes to marriage issues. Is no communication, you know, a lack of intimacy and finances. And a lot of times the lack of communication leads to financial issues, which leads to stress, which leads to a lack of intimacy. And so most marriages struggle with those three things. Because of not, number one, not having God at the center of their relationship. They make it about them. They break down in the communication, and they're not on the same page. So when you and your spouse agree on spending, number one, you're, you're making an investment in the intimacy and the marriage. Look here. You've agreed on dreams. In other words, you both have dreams and aspirations together. Lori and I have to come together. There are times that she's over here and I'm over here, and we have to compromise and come together and come to an agreement on something. When it came to starting Journey Church... Lori was not ready whenever I was ready to plant a church. And so it took, you know, me praying for, for Lori and it took God, you know, just kind of showing Lori what her role would be in that and how we would make that happen. And so after a couple of years, God, you know, got a hold of Lori's heart. And I remember laying in the bed one night, she said, you know what, I don't want to just talk about faith and teach about faith. I want us to live by faith and model it for our children. And I'm thinking, we're, it, we're good to go. And so I'm just saying, you've got to be willing to say, look, God, help us be on the same, same page. With dreams, with fears. What are the fears? You know, maybe you don't fear spending the money and not being able to take care of the house, but your wife does. And so you're on the same page. You make sure that things are lined up. Goals. You have the same goals. And here's the thing. The priorities are right. Whenever you agree on spending, you're saying, you know what? This is the priority in our life, in our marriage, and these are our values. You line up. So that's a great statement. We often understand just don't really want to change. And let me be clear about this. You know, how many guys in here... We're taught about compound interest whenever you were in high school. Raise your hand if you, you did. Raise it high. Raise it high. I was going to see if y'all are smarter than the first group. All right. So most everybody in here has been taught about compound interest when you were in high school or college. Maybe it was college for you. But you learned about compound interest, right? And compound interest is one of those things, hey, listen, you can put a little bit of money in here. And over the years, that money will make a lot more money if you put it in there when you're young. Like if you start putting money in when you're like 20 years old, when you get ready to retire, you'll have way more money than Bob over here who puts his money in when he's 50. He won't have as much, right? Does everybody understand compound interest? Because I don't want to have to do math up here for you. But here's the thing. Most of us understand it. We just don't want to change. So what, what is that? So we understand that compound interest works against me whenever I get caught up in debt and I'm financing everything. And it works to the benefit of the lender, not me. But if I, if I live within my means and I invest money and I let my money make money for me, then one day, then I'm able to do greater things and more things for the kingdom of God financially. And I have peace because I'm not living as a slave to a lender, but I'm actually able to lay down in my bed and have peace. And so we're making an investment not just financially, we're making an investment in us and our ministries and our ways of being able to bless people. And so what happens is too often what we do is we teach our kids to live in debt and we we're stressed out of our debt and our kids grow up in stress and they learn to follow that same pattern. And then all of a sudden they want to live at the same means that we live at. 
It's taken us 40 years to get there. So it, it, it always happens. So oftentimes we don't, we, we just don't want to change. So it takes dying to self. Remember we talked about self? We've got to die to self. It's not about me. It's not about my pleasures. It's not about my wants. It's about the kingdom of God. And it's about loving people. Loving God and loving people. And so God, help me to be focused on what matters most. Help me to be you know, willing to die to self. Even in my marriage, I have to die to what I want sometimes for what is best for my wife. And my wife has to die to things for what's, you know, what she wants for what's best for her. And the two of us dying to self ends up bringing us together as one. And here's the thing. God meets our needs. Whenever I do something for someone else, God has this incredible way of meeting my needs. When I die to self, when I crucify the flesh, when I die to that, it allows God to do something in my heart that changes me. And that's the next one. It takes crucifying the flesh. This flesh is strong. This flesh wanted to go into the estate sale. You know, this flesh is strong. I had someone at my, you know, that was, we were kind of packing up and, and anyway, I pulled something out. It was a stabilizer off of a bow that I had for, since high school. And uh, he goes, what are you hanging on that for? I said, well, that was my first stabilizer. And he goes, are you kidding me? And I was like, ah, all right, threw it away. You know, and so there's the tendency, we get sentimental about things, but we've got to crucify the flesh. Look at what, well, look at what scripture says right here. Those who belong to Christ, do you belong to Christ? Are you a believer? Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you followed him when in believer's baptism like those that did earlier? Do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Have you been saved? Have you been transformed? Have you been changed? Then look, it says those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. They were saying, God, I want to die to this flesh. And the way that we die to this flesh is we stop feeding the flesh and we start feeding the spirit. We spend time in God's Word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time around people that love God, that want to see the kingdom of God expanded. And we die to what this world says is so important. And so we have to crucify that. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That says every part. So that means in the relationship area, right? Uh, Spiritually, financially, emotionally, every area, let the Spirit lead And let it literally tell us what we ought to be doing. And then here's the third prayer that we pray. God, give me a plan. So I think, number one, you know, we we ask God, God, I need understanding. I need a plan. And and we've been talking about this. Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University is just that. Uh, it, It is a plan. Look at what this passage says here. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So good planning. If we have a good plan and we work that plan, we can get there. We can get there. And so what we do is we often think that, well, I don't know what to do. We're going to tell you some things that you can do, but you've got to want to change. You've got to let God change your heart. You've got to want to change. Now, you can continue to be out there drowning in debt, or you can take a lifeline. And you can let someone help you get towards uh, freedom and get towards safety. So here's the thing. Is we've got to understand it. So good planning, hard work lead to prosperity. And that's what Financial Peace University is. It's a plan. Now, I've got a, a friend of mine that he works with uh, Crown Ministries. It's a biblically-based uh, ministry that does the same thing. It's a plan. It's a track to run on. Another friend of mine, he uh, has a ministry called uh, I Once Was Broken, Now I'm Not. You can Google either one of those, Crown Ministries or, or that one. And they are good plans. They're good tracks to run on. And what those guys are doing, they're trying to help people be set free from the bondage of debt. And, man, the stress that is so bad. And so look at what it says here. I love this statement. All it takes is a plan. Using the debt snowball, we've seen people wipe out their debt in an average of 18 to 24 months. It works for them, and I know it can work for you, Dave Ramsey. So here's what I would just say about that. A lot of you guys are like, ah, 
I thought he was going to be able to help me. Man, that's going to take two years. That's the mentality. We want the microwave fix, don't we? We want to, hey, just a little, hey, can we do this in a month? Can we work it out? It doesn't work that way. What got you here has taken years and years, and it's going to take a little while to get out of there. But you can get out of it quicker than you got in it if, you, if you're willing to do the work. And so 18, that's two years, but two years of lining up with God's Word, two years of managing and being a good steward can lead to financial freedom and financial peace in your life. And here's the thing, that takes away one of the top three things that tries to destroy your marriage. So here's some steps. I want to give you guys some steps. So next steps for me today. Number one is this. Ask God to change your heart. It's the most important thing. Ask God to change your heart. Because see, there's a lot of you in this room, you'll agree with what I've said today. You just don't want to change. You agree that stress is bad, but you like your stuff. You agree with a lot of this, and you'll even agree with God on some things, but you don't want to change. And I'm just telling you, You've got to take that step. I think about someone who's lost in their sin. They go, you know what? hey, but I enjoy doing what I'm doing. But man, I don't want to go to hell. I enjoy what I'm doing. I like the way I live. I like my drugs. I like my alcohol. I like whatever. But I hate what it's doing to me and I hate what it's doing to those around me. But I'm just telling you, man, it's a struggle and it's real. But here's the thing is, you can ask God to change your heart and He will change your heart. He'll change your path. He'll change your eternity. And I'm just telling you, some of you guys are addicted to stuff. Just like some people are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And it's going to take God changing your heart. Here's the next one. Pray these three prayers every day this week. We gave you three prayers to pray. Pray those every day. Just say, God, I'm going to pray these prayers every day. One of them's already been answered because we've already given you a plan. But ask God to give you the plan that's right for you. So pray those three prayers every day. And then do what God reveals in, re- in response to those prayers. See, I believe that God gives us what we need sometimes we just don't want to do it and that so my encouragement to you is to do what god reveals if he says sell something sell it if he says hey give this to somebody give it if he says hey throw this away throw it away if he says hey just run away from that run away but get you know get serious about this and say god i want what you want so do what god reveals and then here's the, the last one sign up for financial peace university we got a card it's in your chair you can pull that card out so you know what I'm going to sign up. You may not want to, but you know you need to. And I'm going to get out of debt. And I'm going to quit living so stressed out. And if it takes selling everything, I'm selling it. it takes giving it away, I'm giving it away. It takes throwing it away, I'm throwing it away. But I'm done living like this. I'm ready for change. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know what God may be speaking to you about. There may be some of you here, or maybe some of you watching online, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never received Jesus. The greatest gift this world will ever know. So you don't know what it is to have peace. You don't even know what it is to have peace that if you were to die, where you would spend eternity. For the believer, man, we can know that Christ lives within us. We can know that if we breathe our last breath, we go to be with Jesus. And so maybe for you today, that's your need. And right where you're at, you say, Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life. Jesus, I want to ask you to save me. Jesus, I need you in my life. He's given you the understanding to realize you need a Savior. And He's given you the step. He's offering to you His hand. He said, hey, listen, come to me. All you who are, who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And He's offering to you salvation. So maybe right now, today, that's your prayer. You say, Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life. I want you to take over. 
I want you to be the leader of my life, the boss of my life. I surrender all. And so right where you are, if that is your prayer, He will change you. You say, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. Jesus, I want to to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. Come into my life and change me. That is my prayer. You just pray it with all the faith that you have. All the faith that you have. And He will save you. He will redeem you. If you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, if you would, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I prayed that prayer. I want to be able to pray for you. Anybody, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. Anybody in the room? Anybody here in the room? All right, I see a hand back here. Anybody else? Right here. I see your hand. Let me just tell you, if you if you prayed that prayer, you are his child. You are a part of his family. He has embraced you. And you're saved. There may be some of you in this room that are that are living, man, just stressed out. Maybe some of you watching online, you're living stressed out financially. You can't, you have no peace. Anxiety is just taking you over. That's not God's plan for your life. I can just tell you that. You say, Mike, that's me. Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand and say, Mike, would you pray for me? I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. I, I feel like we're in such debt, it's killing me. Just raise your hand. There's hands everywhere. Let's pray. We're going to pray for God to set you free and that you're going to take the steps. Father, I thank you for today. And God, I thank you for the fact that you reveal our situation, but God, you don't leave us there. God, you reveal to us the steps that we need to take. For some who have put their faith in you today for salvation, God, we praise you. We celebrate you that you are the Redeemer. God, you are the, you are the Savior of the world. And God, we thank you for saving those souls that are here today. God, for those that are they're strapped, Lord, for they're living in bondage, you came to set the captives free. I pray that today would be a day of reckoning, that they would choose to take the steps to find financial freedom and to get rid of this anxiety and this pressure that they're living in. God, give us the self-discipline to take that step and to follow you. God, hear our prayers this week as we make change. God, we need you and we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.